about to enter a nexus of science, violence, and nonsense. Where fake news, pseudoscience, and weaponized stupidity meet full contact fact-checking and peer-reviewed ass-kicking. And as always, no bullshit allowed. Recorded live at Mosquito Headquarters in Austin, Texas. This is the Art of Fighting BS podcast. Brain chips in the trick. Chocolate lines up planetarily with the sun. Necessarily rewarding. You are fake news. Come on, man. Science is interesting. If you don't agree, you can fuck off. Let's do this. Tell us who you are, what you do, and then we're going to go into like a little bit of background on Samba. I'm going to pick your brain about, about that because it's kind of topical right now. So Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a wild time for it. Yeah, so uh, David Dempsey, I am a Samba instructor at Victorious uh, MMA in Troy, Michigan, which is a suburb of Detroit. Um, I've been involved with Samba going back probably about 2000. Uh, really only started teaching here locally. I think it was 2016 thereabout. Um, so I've got a, a decent team, you know, we, uh, we've, uh, I've got uh, national and some international medalists, so we've done fairly well, the local scene, international still growing, but, um, yeah, I kind of really started getting involved in Samba, um, like really diving into it probably, yeah, 2016, 2017, we started building things out here, uh, with that. So yeah, obviously I'm a, I'm a coach at the gym. I'm also, uh, the president of the, or vice president or whatever that's a, you know, it's an unpaid position with, uh, the all American Samba Federation, which is not the official one. It's sort of like the, uh, the one that actually does stuff, I guess if you want to put it that way. Um, so I'm the Michigan rep. Uh, so I'm the vice president of Michigan, and I'm also on the executive uh, board of directors there. So um, it's a handful of us. I think there's, uh, I think, eight people all together on that. So we have, you know, regional events, local events. We put on clinics and workshops and seminars and stuff like that. It's it's uh, that, That's a fun experience, much more than dealing with the official federation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Besides, uh, yeah, besides my Samba stuff, um, so I've, yeah, my coaching certificates and all that. I've got a uh, black belt in judo. Um, I got that through USJA, uh, signed by Mark Tripp, who's uh, also here in Michigan about an hour from me. And I'm a uh, brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, so I teach jiu-jitsu, too, since it's a jiu-jitsu school. Yeah, I remember Mark Tripp. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's still around. He's kind of retired now. We did a, kind of a I'm going away to retire seminar uh, at my place back in December. Uh, he's still kind of involved. He's got a, a school up in Flint. Uh, my buddy David Mata teaches up there, and Mark will occasionally sit in on it. But he's just doing his retirement magician thing now and uh, keeps yeah. him busy. Oh, that's good. That's good. So, um, so Sambo, the the sport. There's correct me if I'm wrong. There's two flavors of it. Uh, three technically. Three. So yeah, you've got you've got sport samba, samba wrestling, which most people are familiar with, uh, is kind of like the the more established one. And then you have combat samba. Which is similar sport, except it includes the addition of uh, punching, kicking, headbutting. There's some ground and pound, and there's some you know some knockout rules and things like that. The the action is a little more faster paced. And then there's uh, beach samba, where they wear the white kurtka with a red or a blue belt. Uh, they do it in the sand. So there's no mat work in that. The first person to throw uh, wins. So oh. it's, it's it's pretty fast. When that one's actually growing pretty fast. It's it's fun. It's you know sort of like swajiao or sumo almost. That's cool. That sounds, I've never actually seen that. I, I just learned that today. That's that's rad. Uh. Yeah, it's it's one of the top three that Fias has been promoting. It's um, I don't know if there's really anybody that does that as their primary one, but whenever they have it at like the Pan Ams or at any of the international events, it's always quite popular. It seems like it would appeal a lot to Brazilians. Uh, you know, the whole beach thing. Yeah. Well, weirdly enough, combat samba is really popular in Brazil. I think it's the huh. biggest version there. I, a couple of Brazilians won the worlds a few years back. So, I mean, it's that, that's when you say samba down there, most of them assume combat samba. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, what's what are the roots of the the, the sport, the the style itself? 
Okay, so uh, samba became an international sport uh, in the Soviet Union. It was 1938 with uh, uh, Anatoly uh, uh kind of is the, the official like founder of it. Uh, the two kind of like pioneers who most people would say was uh, there's uh, Vasily Ochepkov, who was a Kodokan Judo black belt. Uh, he was a Red Army instructor as well. Uh, the, the base of his style was largely Judo. Um, then you had uh, it's, uh, Viktor Spiridonov, who was uh, it, he was the Imperial Army, uh, Russian Imperial Army uh, infantryman, and then he kind of became a, uh, a Red Army uh, infantry officer. His style, he called his Samos. I'm not what he taught and what he did is kind of murky. I mean, the books that he have looks very similar to like uh, Fairbairn Sykes type stuff. Um, the two did not like each other. There's allegations that Spiridonov may have been the one that uh, got Oshepkov sent to the gulag and eventually executed. Um, <laughs> interesting thing with both those two, you know, they say that, you know, they're the founders of Samba or whatever, but neither of them ever called what they did Samba or anything like it. Spiridonov called his system Samos, which is a similar acronym. Um, Ochepkov actually called his style freestyle wrestling. This was before like freestyle wrestling had become a thing, because yeah. um, there was a lot of you know animosity towards the Japanese with the Russo-Japanese War and all that stuff. And he was eventually convicted of being a Japanese spy, which led to his death. <laughs> I didn't even think but, um, about that. Yeah, affected that whole yeah, thing into it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, he uh, he grew up in an orphanage in Japan, which is how he got into judo. It was uh, whatever the island was there uh, when after the war that Russia uh, when they ceded control of the island, and. With that, he got sent to the Kodokan. I think he was the first Kodokan black belt uh, from Russia in general. And so when he got back there, he was teaching Kodokan Judo, but there were some things about that. And he, he started kind of working with the, uh, the Russian army at the time, or the Soviet army at the time, to help them flesh out their hand-to-hand combat program. Whereas Spiridonov was kind of doing the same thing, but with the NKVD and the secret police and all that. And so it, uh, they butted heads quite frequently. Yeah. Maybe even literally. Then, if it's in the rule set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they say like, uh, like, Harlan Peff is the one who kind of brought them together. I, Harlan Peff was a student. He was a direct student of Oshepkov. Um, I'm not sure what the school was they trained at. And he traveled around. He, tra- he studied uh, various, like, folk wrestling styles and some other stuff. So, you know, the, the two pioneers, they, they never worked together on it. It was uh, – Harlan Peff was the one who kind of stylized it. And there's there's been some regional differences. And, I mean, the history of the Soviet Union, when you, you, you talk about where all these things happen and who did what, it gets very nebulous. Uh, it's, it's, it's really what they want you to know versus what was really available. And so there's there's still things that like pop up all the time. You're looking at it and like, oh yeah, no, like 20, 30 years ago that would have been called combat samba, but now it's called like just hand to hand combat or something like that. It, there's a few of those around too. Yeah, uh, that's I mean that the, that's the one that I'm familiar with. The combat sambo, the uh, the the fedors, the the ones that you know yeah. fed into MMA. Yeah, and it, combat. So, Combat Samba, I think I want to say the first world championship was around 2000. So the sport was primarily under the purview of the military uh, through really the 90s. And then FIAS took control. And it, it there's, you know, FIAS is the primary federation, but there's some like one off ones too, like the World Combat Samba Federation that are really mostly just active in Russia, where they were like the military clubs and some of the military groups. And they just never went along with FIAS. They have their own system, they have their own rules. There was other groups like uh, Army Hand to Hand Combat, Arminsky Rokopashny Boy which it was probably combat Samba at some point, but they just didn't go along with it. And they just kept like their own rules and kind of sports organization and became its own thing. Same thing happened on the, uh, the internal troop side, which is regular Rokopashny boy. It's now an international sport. The rules are very similar to combat Samba, but they were a gi. So it's, it's, yeah. it gets very, uh, very kind of quirky as you go out uh, over there. So the difference between a gi and a, I'm going to, I've never actually said this word aloud, the 
Kurtka. Yeah, it just yeah, means jacket okay. in Russian. So yeah, um, so the cut's a little bit different. Uh, you know, a little bit trimmer in the waist. The skirts are shorter. Um, the sleeves aren't quite as baggy as a judo uniform. It's similar to like a jujitsu gi, um, but they have epaulets on the shoulders. If you see them there, uh, some brands they wrap all the way through the armpit. Most are just stitched to the top, so you have a grip there. And then yeah. since the belt loops through the jacket, they don't tend to come off. Actually, if, if your belt comes off in a competition, they make the they stop the match and make you retie it. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, cool. yeah, it's not like judo or jiu-jitsu where you can just run around without it. I've never seen anybody use the grips. Maybe I haven't watched enough Sambo, but I always wondered if that if the little epaulette things were there specifically so you had another handhold. Yeah, I, the, I think the official message was it was designed off of like the, the Russian military jack because you had the, the, the grips there for the their, their load-bearing equipment. But yeah. realistically, I mean, there's a bunch of – if you look at like – Central Asian and like some of the uh, the caucus wrestling styles, they wear vests with epaulets on them and a belt. So it's it's kind of who's to say. Yeah, I mean it's, it's cool. It's funky. More, yeah. One more thing to grab onto. Uh, right. Yeah, you can get your fingers in there and really pull them around. Do they? Um, is there any like uh, no gi whatever equivalent for in sambo besides just MMA? Not not really. I mean, there's so the World Combat Samba Federation does some no gi stuff, but it's like no gi combat samba. The rules are still basically samba, but they're hitting each other. And I mean, if you look at those matches, it compared to like Fias is very professionalized, like the professional athletes. So it's almost like some of them are almost like backyard wrestling type events where they're like jumping off stuff and hitting each other. Yeah. It's fun, but it's, that's, it's kind of a different thing. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that's come out of Russia in the last 20 years, MMA wise has been like bananas. I mean, just, Oh from... yeah. Yeah. It's like, they, <sighs> it's whatever you want. It's like life's a full contact sport. Like four on four MMA fights and like, you know, jungle gym, yeah so i've got one it's called it's probably a samba derivative again it's called a unifight so it's in um uzbekistan so we've got some guys going over to uzbekistan at the end of uh may to compete in this so it's almost like biathlon in the olympics except it's you run an obstacle course you throw a knife you shoot a gun and then you jump in the ring and fight so (laughs) just uh i got we're playing up three to go to that one leave the gun and the knife out out of the ring i don't I don't think they're real guys. I think they're probably like an airsoft or some sort of air pistol because you shoot one time at a target and each individual event is scored. So the overall winner is the winner. So I don't know. It's probably fun. So we're going to go do it. That's that's wild. I mean, has um, I mean the the elephant in the room is the uh, the bear in the room here uh, is the the ongoing special operation in um, (laughs) Ukraine. Yeah. So um, that whole thing. I'm not sure if you're aware, but. Theus, uh, the governing body for the sport of Samba globally, was kind of on track to possibly get Samba in the games. They were targeting mm. the, the Olympic Games in 2028. So they got provisional recognition, I think it was in 2018. And then in 2020, I think it was – no, it was 21 because it was delayed because of COVID. Uh, they got full recognition, and they're starting talk of inclusion in the game. So we, we don't know which version they were going to push towards it. I had heard that they were leaning towards combat Samba, which would have been interesting. Uh, that all said, I think that's all probably dead now. Um, Fias has yeah. not exactly weathered this uh, whole thing real well. Um, if you look at their social media versus like judo, where judo, they, you know, IJF came out and they did a condemnation. They banned Russian athletes. They talked about how, yeah. you know, this is an unacceptable thing. It's unsportsmanlike. Fias, uh, if you look at their social media, kind of just said that, you know, uh, we're, we're canceling all events right now in Russia and Belarus due to the ongoing uh, security situation. <laughs> <laughs> and they loved security. it at that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then it's they they haven't been doing real well there. So realistically with everything else and then they were really pushing the whole samba is a Russian sport versus mm. I mean 
it's not really. I mean, it was developed by the Soviet Union. It's an international coalition of countries. Yeah. So it's, huh. but they were really pushing that Russian identity of it for the last decade to the point where I don't know if the two are separable at this point. So they may have dug their own grave with that one. Um, oh, that's, I'm not, that's sad. Uh, yeah, it is. Cause I mean, I really enjoy the sport, but you know, I, I think there'll still be some local grassroots stuff and it does give us an opportunity to kind of experiment with, you know, different rules formats, like maybe like team duels or like no gi or like just to play around with things. Cause there's really no consequences at this point, but uh, the international development I think is probably going to be dead for a while. Um, I, the people here probably aren't aware, but with their, like, the Olympic boycott back in the 80s, uh, 70s, one or two, uh, they were supposed to present Samba to the uh, the Olympics back then. But then with the invasion of Afghanistan, the U.S. boycotted and they yep. shut the whole thing down. And, I mean, it took – I mean, that was almost 40 years ago. So it took them that long to recover. Theus has made the, a goal since their inception that they wanted to get in the games. And then this, uh, this probably killed it. Um, I, I don't really see them recovering anytime soon from this. I mean, we're so close. It, it just keeps right. almost happening. Right. And we got, you got provisionally, you got full recognition. The IOC was talking to them. They're starting to get their national federations in line and then just, you know, pull the rug out from under them. Damn. Damn. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a politically complicated situation. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted it, to talk really about is. this because I mean, it, it, it's associated with Russia, but it's not a Russian sport anymore. It may have been right, like right. 40 years ago. Yeah, I mean, it, it, in the same token, I mean, it's just as much like a Ukrainian sport, a Belarusian sport, a Bulgarian sport. I mean, any of those countries could really lay claim to it. So it's yeah. it's very, yeah, unfortunate they decided to tie a, a strict nationality to it. And you don't, I mean, you don't see that with other sports. Like, you don't see France claiming that they own Greco-Roman wrestling or like, uh-huh. I mean, everybody knows judo is Japanese, but the Japanese don't claim dominion over it. Like, it's, they're the sole owners of it. So it's, no. yeah, it's a kind of a, a complicated situation that they've uh, put themselves in. There's a lot of that in the martial arts in general, though. There's a nationalistic martial arts, you know, Krav Maga, Israel, etc. Right, but that doesn't translate real well when you're trying to make it also an international sport that's supposed. I mean, the Olympics are supposed to be for everybody, so you yeah. can't have in one token like, "Oh, this is for everybody," and then be like, "But only if you're really from this country." It's yeah. it just doesn't work out well. That's it's a shame. I mean, and, and um, I, I, the other thing I wanted to deliver with this podcast, I guess, you know, just getting all that out of the way is that, yeah, I mean, the, the people that do Sambo aren't necessarily the ones that are invading Ukraine. So, I mean, no, not at all. I mean, I, there's been plenty, I mean, there's plenty of Ukrainian athletes and some of them like uh, Ivan Vasilchuk have been very outspoken about what's going on and he's taking some flack for it, but yeah, it just, it is what it is. I mean, it's not like it's something any of us have control over. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. I just, I think it's a good time to to put out that PSA that you know you, the sport isn't the people. So I mean, there's a there's a line and uh, there's I don't I can't imagine there's as many Americans that do sambo as say there are you know Russians, but around the world it's probably you know the worldwide versus Russia. You know, right? so I know it's it's huge, and I just want to see it grow in the U.S. So that's, that's yeah, great. yeah. I mean. It- it's got a decent sized footprint in a lot of places. I mean, Western Europe, especially like uh, the Netherlands, it's very large there. It's got a decent sized home in France. I mean, it's starting to grow. I think its biggest growth areas were South America and Africa within the last few years. I mean, it's really huh. been picking up steam. Yeah, it's it's got an interesting growth trajectory. I mean, especially Combat Samba. Combat Samba, I believe, is the fastest growing version of it for spectators anyway. Man, I mean, that would be rad. Really- 
if, if, it, if it like took over, like just became like a, a as ubiquitous in, in Africa as as Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is like here, that, that would be it, it. Would be wild, and I mean, and it's done this so very much in spite. Fias does not like combat samba quite as much as they like sports. There, a lot of them were like. They're, it's run by judo guys, so they're kind of like purists in that sense. Ah. And I think that the growth, the, the growth of combat samba, kind of like took them off guard. Do you see it? Like a lot of countries don't even have like combat samba teams, or like they don't have like there'll be no program there. But then all of a sudden, like they're putting out all these athletes. It's like, like where, where are these guys coming from? They're like they're just training underground. Like what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's it's just if you've never watched it, and I, I was. I, I don't know if you heard that on your end. I was trying to pull up a like a highlight video and it blasted the music like right out of the, the gate. Um, but yeah. I, I'm going to do that in a second. Uh, that's what that was. I'm trying to to, pl- to pull up a video like so that the people that are watching this right now can see it. So give me one second. Uh, I yeah. think the and if it blasts your ears off again, I apologize. I mean, uh, it's nothing I'm not used to. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let's let's open that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Ooh, uh, top Sambo moments and autoplay. Damn you, autoplay and YouTube. Okay. So, uh, shoot, I don't think you can see my screen with the I setup. Can, but... Yeah, but the rest of the world will, and I'll, I'll kind of, you know, you can look this up on your own. It's from my top <laughs> Sambo mo- moments of January 2021. So just so that people get, you know, at home get a get a sort of feel for it. So let me click over a couple things. I'm cutting this all out of the audio version of the podcast, by the way, because nobody wants to hear this described. Um, <laughs> all right, yeah, it's... All right, there we go. Video and is this playing at one point five speed? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I for those of you that are watching this and it looks like these dudes are just like on crystal meth. It's it's not. I just watch YouTube videos at like one point five x because I save time. So, but yeah, they, these guys are just going at it. There was a guillotine choke. There's throws. That was a slick takedown. Uh, just you can punch him in the head. I I won't dwell on this, but you guys can look up this this whole thing. And um, yeah, it, it's it it the fact that it sort of has MMA elements, but judo elements. Uh, it I think is a sweet spot because I mean, there's yeah, MMA is great and all, but when you um when you have those grips, it changes everything. Yeah, especially if you can headbutt. Oh yeah, the headbutts too. Let's not even. There was that. Um, I, he definitely had trained in sambo. Like it was like, oh man, cr- close creeping up on twenty years ago. The the I forgot his name, but the the fighter that that was his go to in early MMA out of Russia. It was just headbutts. He would walk in and just headbutt people and just throw headbutts. And damn, I can't remember his name now. But um, that was that that dude was a monster. I don't. He probably <laughs> back when you could do that. Yeah, yeah. Like in the wild west of MMA. Yeah, he's probably dead now. Um, but so, so you're out of Detroit. Uh, what what's yep. coming up um, in the U.S. for for Sambo? Um, yeah, uh, so we've got the Nationals are at the end of this month. They're uh, in Dallas. Uh, I think Julian Sanchez is the one hosting this year. Cool. So it'll be the USA Samba Nationals, so our FIAS uh, uh, Federations event. They usually do like their one big one a year. Um, I think Julian's going all out with that, so that'll probably be a decent-sized event. Actually, Texas is kind of a, getting to be a, a hot spot for Samba there because you have Samba, Texas, and then there is Dallas Samba right in uh, the Dallas area. Austin, yeah. you've got Grant Gillum's got a place on the north side. San Antonio's got uh, Nina Kelly's place. Uh, Vlad Kolokov just relocated to McAllen, Texas, like huh. two months back. 
So it's, I mean, you got a, there's a decent showing down there now. Uh, not so much in Austin, Alpha. though. I'm, I'm looking. Yeah, just, uh, just it's Grant. frustrating because. Yeah, I think Josh Giza had a, he was training there, but he just moved to the Dallas area like last year. But yeah. there was a presence there. Wasn't, um, isn't Richard, well, he does not, he's not teaching, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our Black Monk from the forums. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think he's teaching. He's got all kinds of stuff. That, that dude's busy, like with things but uh yeah yeah he was teaching out of was it uh east side something or other uh brazilian jiu-jitsu i think uh okay but uh i mean you know that's that's downtown in the you know <laughs> and uh I, i'm a little bit more in the burbs so I yeah mean, I'm just... I, mean, I was i was out in austin last fall and you got that is uh some serious kind of sprawl just getting across the yeah. city it is the only and... fast way to get around was a scooter yeah yeah i mean yeah that the, that picture of uh, what was it, Toby McGuire on a scooter? That, you know, just no, that wasn't Toby McGuire. It was uh, Bilbo ba- or yeah, Frodo Baggins. I forgot his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it is those little bird scooters are freaking everywhere. And uh, I noticed that, and it, it was like, no, they're fat. It's faster to get around in one of those than a car. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. And then I took yeah. a cab and saw what they meant. <laughs> just watch somebody go by you. Yeah, this is yeah. It just seems like the uh, city blew up faster than the infrastructure that can support it. And it's still going. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. We got the opposite program here. We got infrastructure and a population that can't, uh, that's too small to support it. So, yeah, that's uh, we, we should like swap, you know, we should like send some of our guys up there, you know, maybe I'll just move to Detroit. Screw it. I mean, I wouldn't recommend living in the city itself, but I mean, the suburbs are all right. I hear the housing's cheap. Uh, uh in the city. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. cheaper than Austin. Don't get me wrong, but it's, uh, I mean, even here, like uh, a lot of the housing prices have doubled in the last few years. It's honestly kind of scary. So, um, my house doubled in price since 2017. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Here is uh, I bought in 2019, and it's it's over twice what what I paid for it. I'm like, yeah. what the hell? So, uh, but then everywhere's going up too. So it's not like I can just sell this off and you know move right. You know, I don't know to the country. Maybe Alabama. No, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, oh man. So, um. So yeah, and uh, there's there's a lot of good things going on in Sambo. I really just wanted to have a conversation to talk about that to get people excited about the sport to to look into it because I mean Americans are kind of simplistic when it comes to the idea of foreign things. They either love it and they're just it's like the greatest thing ever, or you know they're changing the name of French fries to Freedom Fries or something. So right. It, I haven't noticed a lot of it. I've heard from guys in New York that there's a bit of Russian animosity kind of there, but around here, I haven't seen it much. I mean, the calls for people calling about, you know, inquiring about our summer program have fallen off drastically, but people are still coming in. And um, like with us, we get a lot of crossover. So like, you know, the summer team here, we got about 20 guys on it. Every single one of them also does jujitsu. So it's, you know, we, we use jujitsu to kind of bring them back and forth and it, that's worked out fairly well. Um, one thing I, I kind of have noticed is people are, they're picky. I mean, it's, it's a buyer's market. Yeah. So they'll be like, well, I want Samba, but then they want, I want a teacher who only teaches or a club that only teaches Samba exclusively for me on my hours and is right next door. <laughs> like, well, okay. You can't, can't have it all, but yeah, yeah, I know for, for $80 a month. 
Yeah. Yeah, and like, and I want tournaments by my house all the time. And I mean, the tournament scene is growing. I mean, we just had the AASF board meeting. There's something going on almost every single month, uh, as far as that goes. In addition, yeah, you know, we got nationals this month. Um, the Southeast region and the East Coast is very busy with it. The uh, AASF USA Open is May 14th. That's in New Jersey, and like kind of met- Metro New York area, New Jersey. But uh, there's there's pretty much something going on every month in different parts of the country, from the East Coast all the way to the West. So it's I think I'm having my event in August. Uh, there's probably something every two or three weeks going on in the Carolinas. Wow, Carolinas, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ben Rothrock, who uh, he's okay. he's on the ASF board with me. I, you may have heard him. He's he's an Army guy too. Uh, he is running. Uh, he calls it the Southeast Samba Association. It's like a subgroup of ASF, and he works with USA Samba as well. And he's also the head of um, the North American Combat Jiu Jitsu Federation, which is a it's actually a Ukrainian sport, uh, very similar to Combat Samba. So he runs that, and he controls access to the international team. So he's he's pretty much he's one of those guys. He's always got to be busy. So he's got stuff going like just constantly. So it seems like he's got a tournament every two weeks around Greensboro or up in uh, West Virginia. Yeah. So let, let's say um, somebody's like, you know, because we used to get a lot, a lot of these questions on the forums and, you know, you see them out there on all over the Internet. It's like if somebody's going to pick a, a martial art to study for the first, I mean, they're just never done it before in their life. They're reasonably healthy. Um, why would they choose? Why should they choose Sambo over, you know, I don't know, Aikido or, or even just BJJ? Uh, it's a tricky question. I mean, realistically, the differences between like Sambo and BJJ or Sambo and Judo, it, it's pretty minute. I mean, we're, we're basically doing the same thing. It's a slightly different training methods, but I mean, a throw is a throw, an armbar is an armbar. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with BJJ, you do have a lot more access to instructors and training partners and things like that in competitions. But with Sambo, you do have, I mean, if you're reasonably good at it, there is access to the international scene on that, which is... You know, it's different than uh, what you would see with like BJJ or like a karate scene. I mean, it's it's structured like judo. So if you can qualify and make the national team and you get funded and you can go, you know, I mean, you can go abroad and compete. Like, so for ex- using some of my guys as an example, you know, just knowing how to work the federation and do fundraising. You know, I, I've got these guys from like the South Warren, which is kind of like the it's not quite ghetto, but it's, it can be kind of ghetto here. Um, you know, they'd never really done anything. And we've sent them to like Uzbekistan. They've gone to Russia. They've gone to Ireland just to compete. And a lot of it, they don't have to, you know, they're not paying for it. It's just kind of this whole international experience. And, you know, a lot of these countries, I mean, if, if you're into that kind of thing, they roll out the red carpet for you to make it an international experience. Like if you go to Tashkent, Uzbekistan, you get like, they, they take you all over the place. They treat you like you're a diplomat. And it's right. just a very, yeah, it's an interesting experience that you're, you're not necessarily going to get, or, I mean, you're going to pay through the ass to get it. Yeah. So, so like that's fun. I mean, it, culturally, it's still a very open sport. I mean, yes, there's the, the kind of the Russianness of it, but Russian sports culture is actually very kind of positive, and that surprises people when I tell them that. I'm like, no, like they're actually like very friendly and they're very open with it. It's not uncommon at these tournaments to have like Russian coaches coaching guys who aren't theirs, just to, and then telling them, you know, how you can get better and what you can do, or some of like these better Russian uh, athletes. I've seen them like pull guys aside after they beat them and tell them like, Oh, this is what you could do. And you could beat me this way. It's, <laughs> it, it's very like growth friendly. Like they'll, you know, they'll, they'll savage you in the competition, but like during regular class, or if you ask them their opinions or for advice, like they're very, very welcoming with that. Yeah. I mean, minus a few outliers, it's usually the, the, the combat sports where people just beat the crap out of each other, where the athletes are a little, there's a little more humility when they're not playing up for a, an audience or something like that, or, you know, yeah. Kind of hype a fight. yeah, very, very much. So, I mean, 
I think if I think Greg Humphreys has talked about it in his interviews before, but you know, if you're going against them in the competition, they're, you know, they're going to go all out. But if you're just training with them in class or if you ask them their opinion after the match, something like that, they're, they're going to tell you, you know, they're, they're going to be very friendly about it typically too. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, it's so cool. I just, it, it's such a shame. And I, I, when I, when this whole thing kicked off in the back of my head, my mind, I was like, oh man, that's going to affect this, this thing that I like that, you know, I wish I could train in because there isn't anything down here right now. It, it is. And, and, and the culture of it and the sports culture is really cool. I mean, they're, they're so very welcoming. And that's, that's one of the things that's kind of like the, the parallel to jujitsu, where it's like, you know, there's your team and then everybody else can go fuck themselves. Like, <laughs> you're not going to get the same kind of like openness if you walked up and asked one of the coaches from another team, like, hey, you saw my match. Like, how, how do you think I did or what can I improve on? He's, he's not going to tell you. Yeah. Or he tell you to piss off. But it, in like Samba, they'll, you know, it, it's, it's a, a very different environment, different atmosphere. The people are much more welcoming, I feel. Yeah, yeah. No, once, I, once they get past it, kind of get to know you a bit, anyway. Jujitsu is just man. It, it's so wild to see how it has gone from where it was it was super obscure late nineties, early yeah, two thousand. I, mean, I started, so. I started in like ninety nine, two thousand, and it was it was pretty niche. Like I want to say, yeah. like I started in Flint, Michigan, and pretty much all the guys there were like they just wanted to fight, and it's yeah. changed substantially over like twenty years. Yeah, I mean, you nowadays, especially here in Austin, you could throw a rock pretty hard and you'll hit a jujitsu school. It's, it's nuts. It's the same here. Yeah, it's it's more or less the same. There's, I mean, I the town I our our gyms in Troy. I think there's two or three other jujitsu gyms in Troy. There's uh, around Metro Detroit. There's there's probably thirty plus schools. I mean, they all have black belts running at them too. Like, yeah. I our gym. I think we've got three or four. No, we got four black belts now. And then like you know, I teach. I'm a brown belt and I teach too. But it's like. It's a, all the gyms are stacked and they all have competitors. They have fighters. I mean, it's just kind of whatever flavor you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I remember in the, the late nineties, I was stationed in Savannah, Georgia and I was, uh, me and a couple of dudes were like, heard a rumor of a Brazilian jujitsu purple belt in Jacksonville, Florida. So we were like, think trying to engineer a way to make weekly trips down there to talk, to, to train and, it's just a freaking purple belt. Nowadays, it's like, yeah. fuck you and your purple belt. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was stationed at Fort Bliss. Uh, the gym I was at was run by a blue belt. It was like, yeah. you, just, you take what you can get. I mean, I, I stumbled into jujitsu initially. It was a jujitsu and samba school, but like, like, I was teaching kung fu. And I was young and dumb. I'm like, I want to do kung fu. I'd been doing karate for a few years. Yeah. So I wandered in there, and I was just doing kung fu. And they're like, you should do jujitsu, too. I'm like, I, I don't really know what that is. And they kind of pulled me into it, and it's just kind of been doing it ever since. It, it, it's like there's a certain uh, type of person that, that breaks one way or the other, you know, when they're and they've never heard of it, but they're presented with it. They're, either they're horrified. You're like, oh, my God, no, or run screaming or they they're like, oh, my God, this is me. This is where I belong. And when it comes I think to that's kind of sports in general, it's you kind of have people like, no, that's not for me. And then you got the people who are just dumb enough like me to keep coming back. <laughs> yeah. Like... yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just nothing like it. it, it it's. This whole the last two years. How how did your gym do during COVID? I asked Michael McDonald this, so this it's irrelevant. Yeah, to the um, so scenario. Michigan, Michigan, did we we like lightly closed? Um, <laughs> so we shut down uh, in March, and I want to say we opened again June. I think it was the beginning of June. Um, there were a couple gyms that just never closed in general, and then yeah. one of them like. Uh, publicly they put out like a press conference and they had the news show up that they were opening. I think it was like May 1st. And then after they did that, um, like students from all the other gyms started quitting and just going <laughs> over there. It's like, well, they're open. 
And so mm-hmm. we kind of, we did like a light reopening in June and it was like, we didn't really have like the contact classes. So it was, you know, we'd have limited classes. Like, you know, you'll have six people in here, you know, you can only come certain days a week and everything was very distance and it was a lot of solo drills. Yeah. We did the, the zoom thing, uh, for March, yeah. April and May. And I mean, people were tuning in, but I, I don't think anybody was really paying much attention. Like I'd be in there like on myself, like, all right, we're doing these drills on a ball and it's I'd look not, up and everybody's cameras yeah. off. I'm like, I mean, I want to go somewhere else. I don't blame world's you. worst only fans account, you know, going right, on there. Right. Like, yeah. I'm like, all right, doing drills on a ball and doing planking exercises. Okay. I'm like, yeah, I know nobody <laughs> likes this. So I'm glad that finally ended. And like, we're just, I think we continue that for a few weeks and the owner fix. Like, I don't want to keep doing this. He's like, this yeah, is just making me miserable. I know. I mean, as long as you're being responsible and the people that are training, there are being responsible. It, it's a different scenario. We got, we got so much grief for telling people, man, just, it's not that you don't you shut down your schools or don't train. It's just that you be responsible and just train with little pods of people and that you can all yeah. trust. Yeah. I mean, we kind of had the, the core groups and then there was, it kind of continued. I think we like opened, opened again later towards the fall. And then we, uh, we did have a few COVID incidences. So we would close down for like a week or two at a time. Yeah. Really? I never caught it during the time. I didn't finally catch COVID until I was in England this year. Like back in huh. January, I caught it. Yeah. It was kind of baffling to me as well, but I mean, I've, you know, I've triple vaccinated at this point. So when I caught it, yeah. I just thought I had a stuffy nose. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, before the vaccine came out, it's just like, yeah, dude, but could be careful. Yeah, but Once yeah, the vaccine came out, yeah. Just, you know, okay, fine. Go lick the windows if you got to, but just, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, no doorknob safe. Like, some biggish name BJJ dude call referred to me it, as the guy kind of spearheading the campaign for responsible training. Uh, I, I think that the, the term what I was called was a an autistic lab coat is what I was called, <laughs> just because I was like, man, just it's be responsible. Fuck, you're not bulletproof, and it's not even about you because you can catch this thing and get over it because you're an athlete. But you're gonna murder somebody's grandma with this thing by you know breathing on her just walking down the street. So I don't know. I'm, I'm still, man, this is going to linger. I, I'm, I'm going to be dealing with bitterness from all the things that I learned about people in the last couple of years. Yeah. I think everybody kind of is. It's just kind of like, it's one of those things. It's like social media. It's like, it's I'm better off not knowing all these intimate details yeah. about people. I liked them a lot more when I didn't. Exactly. Oh, these, holy crap. Just let somebody give them enough rope to hang themselves with and they'll, they'll just post up a storm. I mean, I, I could have gone my whole life without knowing Gina Carano thought about the politics but right but yeah it's like i don't care what actors think about anything like yeah i know just just fucking shut up man just be the star wars chick and you know look cool that i mean i mean physically speaking i mean she fit the part exactly i mean she looked like she was strong and in shape and she was supposed to be a former paratrooper i'm like yeah that makes sense but it was fucking great right as far as casting when i thought that they nailed it versus somebody who's kind of like wayfish i'm like that's that makes sense but yeah and we've covered yeah. that whole waif washing thing in Hollywood, and they've gotten better about it. I mean, uh, like yeah, she would have been, she would have been great representation for st- legitimately strong women. And then I don't know if you're into sci-fi as much as I am, but uh, on the Expanse, uh, yeah, kind of there's yeah, I like Marine the Gunnery so- Sergeant uh, Bobby, oh, yeah, Bobby, Bobby, yeah, yeah, she's a beast. And you look, yeah, she looks like, like she can kick ass. Yeah. yeah, I think she's done boxing and stuff. Um, I don't know yeah. to what extent, but yeah, you, she's credible. 
I mean, she's not. Oh God, what was that? They rebooted La Femme Nikita a couple years ago. Um, and then yeah, put who would they put in Maggie Q? I think she's what 110 pounds. I don't think even that. My daughter, I, yeah. I, I I swear I've I've got sandbags heavier than that that woman, and I'm like, okay, yeah, but or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that whole thing that that it irks me, and not to just derail this conversation completely, and you know, just be a a white guy on social media talking about women, but no, uh, it's, it's frustrating that, you know, that there's so many like legitimate badass women out there that, that look, that have trained, that understand things and represent themselves well. And then, you know, we, we get the Hollywood. Uh, no, now that, that said, uh, as far as casting, did you see atomic blonde with, uh, Charlie? I, I didn't see it. I it's, it's been on my list since it came out, but she's, she's like five ten though. Yeah, but the fight, they're, they're believable. Like, she does not do, I mean, she takes a serious beating, but she's mostly shooting people. But, like, you're, like, watching, like, oh, man. <laughs> it's not like she's just kicking their asses. Like, she's she she takes a, I think it was more about what kind of a beating she could take while she's fighting these guys. It, it was good, though. I, I mean, I'd recommend that's, that one. That's cool, too. I mean, that that is also a strength that you don't see a lot of Hollywood movies show. It's like. I mean, not at least since like Rocky, uh, like right. take a beating and get back up and keep going. I mean, that's also like strength. It's not just like John Wick. You're just murdering everybody just outright with, you know, a pencil or or whatever you right. got. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I actually John we need to see that Samba. So that ties right back. Yeah, that is true. That is another thing. I think I, I had Steve Keffer on uh, like two years ago, maybe. And, yep. and we t- yeah, he, talked about stuff. T- he was telling me about, he was uh he was at my place a couple of years back. And he was telling me about it before the movie came out because I think a few of his students were in it, and then the guys who were demonstrating the techniques with the the Collier brothers from uh, Collier Brothers Judo. Yeah. So what you're saying is, if you want to be like the world's top assassin, then train in in Sambo. We did get a bump after that. No, none of them stayed, but we got we got a bump. Like <laughs> I want to be like John Wick, and they come in and like, oh well, this is really hard. <laughs> yeah. They bounced, but. Hey, sign them up for the get. Baba Yaga or whatever package. Yeah, so, sign them up yeah. for the the year long uh, John Wick <laughs> package, and it's cash. So, yeah, I know that's a shame. Uh, God, I, I I would not. I mean, even if I like, because I I suck at fighting. I, I I do it because I love it, but you know, I'm never gonna be like top rate in anything. Right. Uh, you're preaching the choir there. I got a lot of like second and third place medals myself. Yeah, so. yeah but <laughs> I, I mean, if I ever had, a... I'm an athlete. Exactly. If I had a school, I, 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 I don't know how I would deal with that. Because, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time on Bolshito back in the early days hashing out, well, what's a what's an ethical approach to, to running a school? I mean, do you do you have introductory fees? Do you charge people for the for geese and stuff? Or is that exploitive? Or do you, you sign them up for these long contracts? Because, I mean, you got to keep your school going. Right. And it, it is tricky. I mean, cause, uh, before my current situation, I'm an employee now. I had my own gym on uh, the neighboring town of Southfield where I was teaching. It was just me teaching samba. I was renting a space out. Yeah. And a lot of those things come up and it's like, you know, I don't want to do this, but it's like I also got to pay bills. So you start having to kind of tie these things down. I never got to the point where I was like, all right, we're gonna have samba birthday parties or anything like that. But I mean, those things like I get it. I just, you know, I just didn't necessarily want to do it myself and i mean the end result was i ended up getting bought out and now i work for somebody else versus have my own place but i'm happy yeah. with it hey we, looks like we got nazir uh from the forums uh he's he's local uh austin and, and does samba he's one of the samba advisors for i guess that movie's down in the rgv now i'm drawing a blank on rgv uh nope oh, I, if you're still with us man I, I i don't know what rgv is but yeah um it's where it, it, it isn't weird that you would want to see strong people played by performers that look strong. Okay. 
Uh, Vlad Kulikov. Kulikov. Vlad Kulikov. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's down in um he's in um, McAllen, Texas now. Oh, okay. That, yeah, Vlad, I think that's Vlad's what you're talking about. Yeah, Vlad's a buddy of mine. He's actually supposed to be out in Michigan uh, next weekend, but the guy who was hosted him, like, I guess the airfare quadrupled in price, so he had to cancel. But I was talking to Vlad <laughs> about going down there for my my wife and kids are heading to Korea for the summer, so I got like uh, all this time to myself. Nice. So I was talking about going down there for like a week or so. Yeah, Rio Grande Valley. Okay, that that's our Jeep. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I should know Texas better. I, I grew up here, but damn, Texas yeah, actually, is big. Vlad was in the first John Wick movie. He's uh, the Russian that's holding the bag over John's head and then gets shot in the head. Ah, okay. So he's not he's making also, a uh, sequel appearance. No, he was also in the movie Salt. He was uh, the Angelina Jolie's father in the flashbacks. The Russian wrestler. Oh crap! He's been in a couple of movies. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that. That that would I mean I can imagine like Sambo dudes make great bad guys because I mean they already know how to fall and you know uh, yeah yeah that's why Steve's made a career out of it yeah yeah and no, he's doing very well with that and it's it's kind of kind of cool he's able to spin that whole thing yeah so um well uh, I I think we're running out of um anywhere to you know, promote more about the sport <laughs> so so uh, this is a segment we've been doing uh going forward so I want to hold on. And of course, the sound effect is not working right now. But just imagine there is a uh, gong going off right now. So, um, <laughs> and um, so the 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 question is: Anyone alive right now, if you could fight them, snap my fingers like Thanos, and you're in a cage with that dude or woman, I don't know, or you know what? If you could fight any human being alive right now, who would it be? Any human being alive right now, who would it be? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. I'm probably going to go with Fedor. I mean, he'll beat the shit out of me, but I mean, it'd be cool to say he did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that approach. That, that, that's, that's, that's warrior spirit. That's, that's, that's good stuff. Uh, it's like, and it would be over quick. I mean, I don't know how, yeah, good, I mean, you I might mean, hang, but I mean, I know if it was you know, me. Oh, he's, he's got about 60 pounds on me. <laughs> I've seen and the guy in person. I, 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 mean, he was at, I think um, he's the, I think we're about the same height. I'm like five, nine, five, ten. He's not real tall, but yeah. he's, He's a, yeah, he's no, a solid he's, guy. I saw um, he was at M1. I was a judge uh, at M1 when it came to Kansas City uh, like forever ago. And I, I mean, I was well, about 20 feet away from the guy looks like a barrel with arms. He is yeah. just stout. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to get hit by him. But, you know, part of me just, yeah, <laughs> would. get hit once. Yeah, just, but, just yeah. once probably. It's like fighting Mike Tyson. You know, it's like, yeah, I did it. You know, OK. Yeah. Yeah. You, can, you uh, always have that one. You could say that that happened. Yeah, exactly. So that's bragging rights. Okay, man. Well, um, where can people find out more about your school? Uh, anything you want to like, promote, yeah. et cetera? Uh, so, yeah, the school, uh, VictoriousMMA.com. Uh, that'll take you right to there. You can figure out more about the program. Also, uh, plug the All-American Samba Federation. Website is exactly as it sounds. I'm on the board there. Uh, we're not the official one, but we do hold events, seminars, and clinics. So if you wanted something set up, uh, if you hit us up through that channel, we are a not-for-profit. We typically do these things for free. Um, also, uh, um, another uh, nonprofit I'm involved with, Foxhole. We uh, promote combat sports and uh, like scholarships for training for uh, veterans and military members. Um, all at cost, we, we, we fund that. So it's, it's very similar to like a We Defy Foundation, except we're a little more broad in our scope and what we do. Also, try to help out by getting uh, you know people like junior and uh, pre-military people involved in combat sports before they ship off to their training camps. So yeah, that is uh, FoxholeUSA.org. Awesome. Yeah. 